grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For so many of us, this week is about preparation, at least, oh, maybe going back to the middle of last week through Thursday when the group, the crew, the family, your friends all gather together. The, the preparation is, is so important for, for Thanksgiving. It's the best meal of the year. Someone was giving me a bad time this week. They said, Pastor, since you've lost all your weight, you don't talk about food enough. So, well, that's okay. We'll talk about food this morning. That'll work really well. It's the best week, the best day to eat in the whole year. Turkey and taters and grandma's dressing, pumpkin pie with whipped cream that's really whipped, not just cool whip. All the things of gathering together, people who we know and love, and preparing with love in our hearts and anticipating this marvelous time together. And whether your family is just you and a loved one, maybe on a telephone call or a FaceTime chat, or you have a house full of people. We take time to prep. Lists and notes and recipes are brought up for review. Vacuuming, dusting, setting up furniture, setting the table and chairs, making sure that the inside of the house is just right, that the pumpkin spice candles are are purchased so the house smells like thanksgiving. For those of us who do our own yards, for those of us who take pride in making sure that our yard is the best one in the neighborhood, your pastor included, I'm going to edge and mow and blow. I'm going to power wash the grease stains under the smoker. I'm going to make sure that that yard is perfect so that when everybody comes and sits on the beautiful Thanksgiving afternoon and their bodies are being lulled into a coma through the chemicals in the turkey, that they're very comfortable in the California sunshine. It's going to be a good, good week. A week of joy, a week of people we love, a week of celebrating. When the prep goes well, it seems to me everything goes well. If you're prepared or a little bit over-prepared, then you can go with the flow. Last year, if you remember, we were going with the flow of rain on Thanksgiving Day. All good. But when things are just kind of thrown together and you kind of hope for the best and you say, well, we'll see, it doesn't really matter, you end up with dry or undercooked turkey, both of which are fantastically gross, and a day that just doesn't quite work. So preparation, it's not just this, it's a sermon, it's a, 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 a lesson plan, it's, it's what you do at work and your job, it's how you think. There are issues of preparation in everything, and things that are prepared right and prepared well go together well. When the preparation isn't right and things are thrown together, at least for Thanksgiving, maybe the host or the hostess may be fearful. There's just too many variables. Do we have enough chairs? Do we have enough of this? There's too much sage in the dressing, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe anxious. Everyone won't have the day they could have because we weren't prepared. In our text this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37, Jesus speaks at length about being prepared. Not just being prepared for a meal or Thanksgiving, but being prepared for when the Son of Man returns. When when the Lord says, I've had enough, and He comes to take His people with Him in heaven forever. 
In Mark 13, he gets the hearts and lives, the brains of his disciples aligned with our hearts and lives and brains. He gets all of his people thinking together about his word and promises, prepped to be together when the Lord returns. And we will go into heaven to be with him. So Jesus tells two stories, one about a fig tree and one about a guy who leaves his home. Two analogies so that his disciples then and his disciples gathered together this morning in St. John's aren't nervous and fearful for his second coming. Preachers since the first century have preached hell, fire, and brimstone. You better pull your life together or you're going to burn in hell. And hell's fire is hot and eternity is a long time. That's not the essence of Jesus' message in Mark's gospel. Jesus' message is one of security, confidence, and peace in the hearts of His disciples. And if you remember, His disciples are getting ready to go through a a long, miserable process by the cross. And then the power of resurrection on the other side. So Jesus talks about a fig tree. He says, you're going to look and... The, the, the times are kind of going to be like a tree. You know that things are going well when the tree leaves out and the branches grow and the fruit is on the tree and then the harvest, that's just kind of how it is. Speaking an agricultural lesson into agricultural people. At the end, it's kind of like a tree ripening up, doing what it does. It's always amazing to me that people look first to the skies, and they wonder what's going to happen. People look and they see that big red moon or the, the, the harvest moon or the Jupiter being close to the moon. People look and they say, oh my gosh, is this the end? And people go a little nutty and a little bonkers when things align in the sky in peculiar ways. Pastor, all the planets are aligning. Is this the end? I read the register. I saw the picture. Is this the end? The moon was so red and so crazy. Is this the end? And the answer is always the same, right? (laughs) I don't know. If Jesus doesn't know the end date, how can anybody? Only a fool would look and say, I know something Jesus doesn't know. But Jesus does tell us to look to the skies because in the skies we see the signs. Like Like the fig tree, we see the signs. And we prepare our hearts and our minds to align by God's Word to be ready and prepared for the end. And so he says, look out. He doesn't say be afraid or terrified. He says, keep watch, be on guard, look out. Look to the sky, look to society, to the times of the end, to times of uncertainty, to wondering about what's going on. And don't be filled with fear about what will come down. Be confident in your faith. Be confident in the Lord. And know that when the word and promise of God comes, it leads us away from fear and anxiety to the marvelous security that comes of knowing and being in Christ. People not knowing Jesus, the secular pagans of our world, are going to be caught unaware, unprepared, unready to go. And when Jesus comes down, when the Son of Man comes down, they're going to go, holy smokes, And for us who are in Christ, when the end comes, whether that's this afternoon 
or in a thousand years. We will nod our heads and know that the Lord has answered the prayer of his saints for millennia. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I don't have any fancy predictions for you. I'm not going to tell you that with the change in political office, I'm not going to tell you with the change in economics, I'm not going to tell you that somehow God came down to me in my office last Thursday as I was prepping this sermon and said, Tim, you tell them to get ready because I'm coming December 24th, 2021, just as the bell rings and just as people sing glory to God, the angels sing at St. John's on Christmas Eve, get ready. Huh? That's foolishness. The power of the text is the power of preparation. And in that preparation, anxiety and fear are driven away. The Son of Man is on His way back not to judge or beat up or set on fire. Rather, the Son of Man is coming to gather His elect, His believers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. So many try to portray this day as a day filled with anxiety and fear. Did I do enough? Did I do enough for the Lord? Am I clean enough? Are my sins too grievous? Is God's grace enough for me? But Christians who know Jesus leave their anxiety and their fear at the cross. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all humanity unto myself. John chapter 3, verse 14. When Jesus was sacrificed for us in our salvation, it was and is sufficient then as it is today, as much as it will be on the day of His return. He does not come to divide people by people groups but to gather people together. Perhaps humanity will have spent enough time dividing itself. And perhaps the first thing will be taken away when Jesus comes back is the tension in our hearts and souls toward other people from whom we've been separated. The Lord God, the Son of Man, comes to gather His people, to take away division, to reunite humanity with Himself face to face. He's covered our sins with His blood and united us with Himself in holy baptism. We are His and He is ours. And the coming again does not drive fear, but confidence, assurance. You are prepared. We are prepared. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is fit and prepared to be with the Lord Jesus forever in heaven. I love when we start a Bible study and people say, you know what, Pastor, we need to speak intensely about the book of Revelation. We need to talk about the helicopters and Israel. and We got to talk about all this stuff in the chain and the thousand years and post-trib, pre-trib, all that stuff. And I say, no. Well, why don't you want to study that? Don't you want people ready for heaven? Don't you want people to know what's going on? What's wrong with you, Pastor? What kind of prayer? We're going to go to the other church down the street. I said, it's fine. If God would have wanted everyone to be at St. John's, he would have only made St. John's. You can go to the nutty church, you can go to the other church down the street, and that's all, that's all fine. And they say, Pastor, what do you want to study? And I'll say, I want to study the gospel of John, because Revelation is too easy. And they say, well, what's so easy about the book of Revelation? It's all so tricky and all so complicated. I said, nope, it's all easy, two words, God wins. At the end of the day, God wins. Stuff gets bad and things get crazy, and God wins. 
We know the outcome of the game. We've read the book. We know the story. At the end of the end, God wins. And being prepped and prepared with that message leads us to this surreal sense of confidence and hope in Jesus. When the Son of Man opens the clouds and comes in glory, Mark assures us, interestingly enough, it will be both, both visual and audible. We will be able to see and hear the coming of the Son of Man. And having been prepared by the word and promise in the gospel of Jesus, you'll be ready. This last week, I put a new LiftMaster garage door opener in my garage. My old garage door opener, which was almost 20 years old, shook the whole upstairs of the house when it was pushed. For those of you who know anything about garage door opening, you know that it's very important that it's very quiet, especially if the room that your grandson sleeps under is the floor to the roof that has mounted the garage door opener, so that when you push it, your grandson's thing shakes. So in deference to my grandson, certainly not my own children, I would put the, I put a new very nice garage door opener in. My one from 2005 had zero tech in it. It was a screwdriver, which the guy made me feel like I was a caveman to still own. My new one has the belt and suspenders and everything with it. It's connected to an app. If my wife sitting in church right now was a little insecure about whether or not she put the garage door down on the way, she could look right on and there's a camera. And it can tell you exactly how long the garage door's been open or closed. It's pretty cool. It sends you a notice that is closed and secure. How many times have you or I driven around the block wondering, did I close the garage door? What's the deal? It kind of feels like I did, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that I did. I've probably wasted more gas on that than money I put into that garage door opener this week. How many times have I driven by and back around the cul-de-sac only to go, oh yeah, that's right. The first thing I always do is put my coffee down and then close the garage door. But human nature, right? Human nature. How many times have I driven around the block wondering if I'm going to find a thief in there stealing my super fantastic mountain bike or my son's bike or stealing food out of our refrigerator? I don't know. You're just kind of wondering if the house is safe or if a thief is coming to steal me blind. But that new LiftMaster with the big LED light and all the fancy stuff, it just dominates and it puts away the fear and anxiety of, am I going to be ripped off because the thief can't get in, at least not through the garage door. Jesus tells a story about a thief, an analogy. Jesus says in Mark 13, 34, if the owner of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would have been prepared. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those people he loves more than anyone else in the whole world. And he wants them to be prepared and be ready. As we wait, Jesus, our Savior, says to us, be alert, be watchful, and be active. And Thanksgiving provides a marvelous opportunity for us to be alert, to be watchful, and to be active. Gratitude has a very profound way of leading us to be prepared for the Lord Jesus' second coming. 
And so in light of this text and in light of where we're at as a culture and as people in the world, this week I encourage you as you prepare to reflect on three things. And the first is that marvelous question of where are you? Where are you? Take a moment this week to answer that question. Some of us have little diaries and books that we keep track of those things. Others just take pictures in their mind's eye. And when it comes time to reflect, it's like a slideshow going off in their heart. Where are you? Where are you in your life? How are your family and friends? How are all your relationships? How's your heart and soul? Is your mind in a good headspace? Where are you in this moment? Secondly, then, where have you been? Where have you been? It's been a tough two years. There's been a lot going on. We've been through a lot of stuff. And that doesn't even take into account all the stuff that we've gone through in our homes and families. Some families have gone through a lot of stuff. Where have you been? Go back in your life and see what blessings and challenges you have experienced and overcome. And recount the many, many, many good things that God has given to you baptisms and confirmations and weddings and gatherings and trips and travels and close relationships, all of those things a function of the hand of God who uses the community of the church and the community of family to prep us for living together in eternity. Where are you? Where have you been? And then, of course, that last question is, where are you headed? What is the trajectory of your life and the trajectory of the lives of those you love the most in the world? Where? Where are you going? Next year at this time, there's going to be more babies bouncing around. Next year at this time, there's going to be more young ladies with engagement and wedding rings on their fingers. At this time next year, there's going to be much more to be grateful for and to give thanks to God for where are you headed What are the marvelous blessings of your life and your family that as I speak, your heart becomes full and you begin to smile and say, that's right, I'm going to be a grandpa in the next two weeks, that's pretty cool. Or my family's coming out and I haven't seen them for two years, what a blessing, pastor, it will be this week when they fly in from wherever. Where are you going? What is the trajectory of your life and the trajectory of the lives those you love? You are baptized into Christ. You have been sealed for eternity by the Son of Man Himself. And when the end comes, when the Lord lifts the shade and it all goes up, you are going to be in heaven with Jesus for all eternity. And that being said, That being understood by the people of God, we push forward into the future with gratitude to be sure and with confidence and security in the word and the promise of God. Be secure.
you're prepared. In the name of Jesus, amen.